0: You have reached the geek elite. Good luck.
1: I know what you're thinking. Did he fire six shots or only five? Well, to tell you the truth in all this excitement, I've kind of lost track myself. But being this is a .44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world, and would blow your head clean off, you've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky?
0: Well, do you, bunk? All right, Richard, we have a very special, interesting part of the first part of our show today. Um, We have a Patreon page, and we have patrons on our Patreon page. Uh, One of the tiers allows you to uh, direct, so to speak, segments of different shows, and our show got chosen to uh, be the subject of the poll, (laughs) so to speak. Um, We Essentially, our, our show got... Uh, voted to the top of. We need to talk about the differences and in style between Taika Waititi and James Gunn as directors, filmmakers, so to speak. So, oh, oh boy. <laughs> I know. I mean, I think as a as two people that are really into film, I think this is a a great a great thing that we can do because after James Gunn was fired from Disney and the MCU uh, subsequently. A lot of people said that they think that Taika Watiti should have came in to direct Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, uh, especially since a lot of people enjoyed his uh, Thor Ragnarok, his third Thor movie, and he will be directing the fourth Thor movie, Thor Love and Thunder. I honestly don't think the two styles are interchangeable, but they are both fun, if that's understandable
1: yeah i i think it's totally understandable and uh i could i could see why a lot of people would would kind of like have the expectation for that to happen though because if you really stop and think about it i mean we did get guardians of the galaxy uh first and then when by the time we got to thor ragnarok i remember when they were doing all the commercials and everything like myself included along with probably a lot of other people like from the trailer immediately got the vibe of like Oh wow, this is a lot like Guardians of the Galaxy. Like it has a very, like similar feel and and kind of like that throwback to like the '70s and like '80s type of stuff. So I I, I could totally understand why people would maybe you know have that opinion.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean I definitely get that, and uh, I I know your issues with the MCU, so to speak. Uh, at this point, it's a lot more laughs and gaffs and and silliness than it is uh action or drama uh as opposed to like the beginning of the mcu um i
1: i I don't think that's uh, that's not everything that's not you know obviously i enjoy laughing as much as the next person (laughs) i just i think that there was a uh I think there, I, I, and and I've said this before, I don't know if I've said it on the podcast, but when it comes to the movies, I am my biggest problem with them, and I totally understand that, um, but yeah, I, I think inevitably we kind of lost uh, a balance, and I think it became like almost too like jokey jokey and there was never these there are moments that should be sobering and that that should have tension and drama and stakes but so often they don't get that moment to breathe because it's like we just got to hit the next punchline. and 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 there's a you know i mean we could spend the entire thing just me ranting about my problems with the mcu and all that stuff but you know, that's not the point. And I do, I do want to acknowledge that though, that I am my own worst enemy with liking these movies. Like I, I totally
0: want to acknowledge that. I, I mean, that's completely understandable. Like I, 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 am not trying to throw you under the bus or paint you in a corner. Uh, I just know that you, you did have issues other than that also, but with that. So, uh, oh yeah i don't i don't think you're throwing me under the bus
1: i think i think it's just important to have that clarification so someone <laughs> listening that doesn't know that might be like wow this guy is totally an a-hole and it's like well no i just have a different of opinion i mean he is an a-hole but just That's for true reasons, not yeah. for that. I'm joking <laughs> so it's the same thing with my you know problems with the mcu
0: the mcu we're we are talking about the mcu do you mean something else no, I'm saying it's
1: just like my problems with the MCU. Oh. There, the there's a few listed, but there's many more <laughs>
0: as to why that's the case. Uh, I mean, obviously, the two of them have made other movies. Uh, let's see, um, James Gunn made Slither. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't remember if you. I I know we've talked about that movie before. I'm sure that you've seen it. Like, how do you do you enjoy that movie?
1: Uh, yeah. I I mean, it's been. It's been a good, a good long while since I've seen a lot of his movies. But yeah, I mean, I remember watching that and, um, you know, I think the big thing with James Gunn is that he traditionally has kind of like this um, more like shock factor to his humor, which is also ironically what really got him into a lot of trouble and what inevitably led to his removal from the, you know, directing the third uh, Guardians of the Galaxy film was some old tweets that he had posted in an attempt at like shock right. humor. But that is, right. t- in my opinion, that's what James Gunn's kind of always been uh, known for. And I, if I remember correctly, he was also the writer of the Dawn of the Dead kind of remake or
0: reboot that they did with uh, Zack Snyder directing, if I remember correctly. That is also correct. And he is also the writer for the live action Scooby-Doo movies. So... Oh, I did not know that yeah <laughs> I also I also I also don't think I've seen those. Oh really I mean yeah I mean they're not particularly great, but i I do remember watching them and and it's not because like you are younger than me, so I mean but not by much, but it's like those are definitely family friendly movies and it's interesting that she, he was the writer or at least one of the writers on them. Um, well, that's why I was like, "That's really weird to me
1: that he would." But I mean, hey, M. knight wrote, you know, uh, uh, or did the uh, the little what was the mouse movie? Oh, I can't think of the name. Mouse Hunt? No, he did the the one with like uh, a. Yeah, Stuart Little. Yeah,
0: I, I did not know that. Yeah, weird, right? Yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, I did. Yeah, I did not know that. So the. Taika Waititi is also known for like uh, Flight of the Concords and uh, what's the, the, we what we do in the shadows. Like, I don't know if you've seen what we do in the shadows or not. It's a vampires in modern day. He also did Jojo Rabbit. Uh, how do you feel about those movies?
1: Uh, <laughs> well, you don't um, tell me you
0: Jojo Rabbit.
1: I, yeah, I've seen fragments of it. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. So, uh, we we started trying to watch it during like the whole, you know, pandemic thing while that was going on and it was super late at night and I was just exhausted. It was it no fault of the movie uh at all. I just I could I could not stay awake. Uh and again, I don't think that's the movie's fault in any way. What I did see of it I thought looked great and uh i've heard that movie is not at all what you would expect it to be and i I heard it's actually a very good movie so it's on my list to go back and watch it i just
0: haven't gotten a chance to do so yet that's fair i won't hold it against you so what do you think i mean of those two directors do you have a preference between the two uh, I, you know, I don't really think I have a, a, a preference. Um, I, I don't really feel like
1: one of them's necessarily sticking out to me as, you know, better or anything like that over the other. And simply because uh, to, to be very, you know, honest and fair here, I really don't think I've seen enough of either one of their works to really make a, a, an assessment on that from like a personal standpoint. Um I, you know, I'm trying to think of what all Taika Waititi's done. And I know he did Thor Ragnarok, uh, Ragnarok, which I have seen. Um, and then I'm like, kind of drawing a blank. I'm like, what else has he done? And I, I honestly, I, I know he's done a handful of other movies. I know he's, he's been in the industry, I think, since the early 2000s. Uh, but I just don't think I've seen a lot of
0: his movies. That's, that's fair. Like, uh, I feel like I know you said you, or I don't know, did you say you hadn't seen what we do in the shadows yet?
1: I have not seen that. I've been told to watch it numerous times by many people because I've heard it's just hysterical. Uh, and I have some like coworkers that have, you know, obviously quoted it and things and it sounds hysterical. I just, I haven't had a chance
0: to sit down and watch any of it. That's fair. And, And you didn't, you, so then I assume you didn't watch hunt for the wilder people.
1: Uh, no, I, again, I feel so unprepared. Like, I feel so bad because, like, people voted for us to do this. And I'm like, oh, they picked, like, two people that I'm, like, not super well versed in. And uh, <laughs> so I, I apologize to all the patrons. Like, in the future, I will uh, hopefully do better at this. Okay. Um, no, I didn't. But, again, it's one of those things where uh, it, it was the you know the the actor is also the the character in Deadpool 2 um the boy the younger oh younger yeah, boy. yeah yeah yeah
0: and uh oh man like what's he himself was in Green Lantern as the sidekick to Green Lantern <laughs> oh how interesting
1: well that's another movie I didn't watch um <laughs> But that's probably for the best or so I've been told. True, very true. Uh, yeah, but, uh, and then it's what, Sam Neill, right? Like, it's it's him and Sam Neill. I can't think yeah, of it. Ju- Julian Dennison, is that his name? Julian something. Oh, yeah, I, I'm so bad at these things. But yeah, yeah, so, again, one of those things where I did see the trailer for it, and I was like, oh, that actually looks really good. That looks like that would be a really fun uh movie to watch. Looks very, like, kind of like a... A merger of this like action comedy and drama and i I thought it looked really interesting. I just again I haven't really had a chance to watch it.
0: So are you familiar with the Tromoville movies from back in the late seventies, early eighties? Ooh uh not not particularly no <laughs> I'm striking out all over the place today. This is bad. <laughs> but Tromaville, like its flagship character is Toxic Avenger and stuff like that. But Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Then, yeah, yes. Yeah. 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 I have seen The Toxic Avenger. Uh, that's where James Gunn got his start. Not on Toxic Avenger, so to speak, but he did get started in the movie industry uh, in um, the Tromaville movies. So, what's the, the name God, of a, that? That would have been back in what guy. the late 90s? Yeah, Tromo, Troma, Romeo and Juliet, which would be the Tromio vo- version of Romeo and Juliet, um, is where he, he was an assistant director and a writer, and uh, Lloyd Kaufman was the director. He is also the man behind all the Tromaville stuff, um, which you see a cameo of him in the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. He's on the planet, uh, or he's in the prison planet uh, that they go to. Oh, um, right on. Yeah, so I honestly think, like, how much those Tromaville uh, sets influenced the way that he made movies uh, later on. Uh, because, like, you got to imagine all that stuff was done on such a very shoestring, shoestring budget and uh, has to make it easier to make a movie like Guardians of the Galaxy, where you see a lot of practical me- uh, makeup and uh uh special effects uh, as well as cgi effects
1: yeah I, I i think that's kind of um i think that's the case for a lot of people that kind of like started you know pre-2000s with their film career because really up to that point um you know visual effects were still you know and computing power to create those visual effects and all that was was quite expensive you know and it was still relatively early on for a lot of those things so, yeah, I mean, I think when you do look back to, you know, kind of the 90s and earlier, uh, you know, there definitely was this approach to be more practical in your filmmaking. Whereas, you know, now because of virtual productions and stuff, I mean, we're getting to a point with like LED light volumes and things like that where, you know, you don't even need sets anymore. I mean, you can basically create entire virtual environments in these LED uh, light volumes, Um You know, and then you just might need pieces of sets or whatever to, like, interact with or to walk through. But, you know, all of those older filmmakers, uh, I I really admire that, though, that they came from a point of being very practical. And I think the benefit to that is, A, it gives the actors uh, a lot more to work with, number one. But then number two, to a large degree, I think they helps those films kind of become more timeless. Uh, because as you know computer generation and things have gotten better and better and better if you go back and watch some of these older movies it's very very easy to start like picking apart you know the visual effects and stuff like uh and this is a horrible movie but ultraviolet like mm-hmm. if you go back and watch that i was like flipping through the channels the other day and it was on and i stopped for just a second and i was like oh you know i'm gonna watch a, a little bit of this and see if it's as bad as i remember it to be and sure enough it is but uh (laughs) visually though i was just like good god i remember like i thought this movie looked so good when i watched it the first time and that's kind of really the silver lining in the cloud for that movie uh but if you really you know and we're a little off topic but if you get you know the comparison between that and equilibrium which is the movie that the the director did just before ultraviolet uh, Equilibrium's done with a lot more practical locations and, and effects right. and stuff. And if you watch the two of them now, you have a much harder time telling that Equilibrium, you know, probably had a, mu- a much much lower budget. And uh, you know, you could assume that it was something that might still have been made, you know, this year. So I, I really dig that. I really admire that.
0: Yeah. No. I I think I think what we've come to realize is that you can't do all of it in one way or the other like it's this not it, it's not practical money-wise to do it all with practical effects and it doesn't look good to do it all in cgi effects so you have to mixture the two at this point right oh absolutely yeah and i, I think the other thing that's like kind of interesting is because
1: uh, you know if you really think about like what we're talking about with james gunn's uh, approach to humor and stuff and kind of being more like uh you know hyper adult and and like kind of shock value humor that makes total sense to me that he would have worked on on you know the toxic avenger and stuff like that cuz those movies were pretty much known for kind of like really campy like very adult shocky you know shock factor type of of humor you know
0: right and then uh 2010 he goes on to make uh, super with Rain Wilson. And that definitely is your transition from Toxic Avenger or Tromaville movies to Guardians of the Galaxy because Rain Wilson is a man who has read too many comic books and decides he's going to take it upon himself to uh, clean up the streets. And his weapon of choice is a giant, like, monkey wrench. And it's, it's heavy and blunt and will definitely kill people. And he goes around. Maiming people with this monkey wrench, uh, it's it's a hard movie to watch. I just recently watched it for the first time, and though it's got the stuff in there that you you can recognize later on in James Gunn's films, it's it's definitely not refined yet, and which is fine. That's I mean, obviously more towards the beginning of his career. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of the similar looks and themes and especially the way that it's filmed in his Suicide Squad movie, the Suicide Squad for DC, which is supposed to come out next year. Look at the costumes that you can already see from from that movie in the I don't want to say trailer, but trailer, <laughs> promotional material and you can see where it looks like it looks like a step above people doing it at home kind of thing whereas in super it's definitely rain wilson's character just, you know, grabbing things and putting it together at home. The Suicide Squad, the characters it 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 looks like people put time into it, but it doesn't look like it doesn't look like Batman's outfit, so to speak. You know what I
1: mean? Yeah, no, I I could definitely see that. And I you know, I don't know, it's interesting too cuz we were talking about, you know, him getting removed from Guardians 3, which actually I I think he did end up getting placed back on yeah. Guardians 3, right? Oh yeah. Yeah uh but it it is fascinating though because i i would i would say yes you're absolutely right everything you just said but i think there's also like this interesting comparison to the fact that like guardians is kind of like an ensemble cast type of movie uh suicide squad is very much going to be an ensemble cast type of film but i but even with those two things i feel like the suicide squad is more of like what i would expect from james gunn because traditionally like with their films, DC has taken a a, a darker approach and allowed their pr- uh, properties to be, you know, more adult oriented than I think what Marvel has done. Mm-hmm. And so, like, uh, which I think isn't uh, Taika
0: Waititi supposed to also be in <laughs> Suicide Squad? So like, the rumor is that he's going to be the voice of King Shark. Uh, okay. Uh, the voice of Korg in his Thor Ragnarok movie. That's the rumor at this point. I don't think it's been confirmed. Uh, If it has, then please uh, tweet us or tell me. But yeah, I don't know if he's actually in the movie or not.
1: Oh, okay. Well, so a part of him with his voice potentially is then. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I just like, I feel like that is, and I'm glad that he's coming back to do uh, Guardians and, and that he'll get to like kind of finish his his trilogy up. I think that's awesome. Uh, but it does, yeah. It just seems like that is kind of a more, I guess it's typecasting in a way, but I, I feel like that's more of like his wheelhouse, you know, because I'm sure it's going to be zany humor. You know, obviously he could get away with a lot more, uh, adult-oriented humor and and foul language and things like that. So I, I just feel like that's kind of more his thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so too. So, uh, yeah. To going going forward, James Gunn will be doing uh, the Suicide Squad for DC and uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three for Marvel. Uh, Taika Waititi. On the other hand, uh, I, I did see Jojo Rabbit. I enjoyed it immensely, and it has that mixture of drama, comedy, dark comedy, and uh, uh, surrealness that I can see playing out in um, more th- like comic book movies. Uh, his Thor Love and Thunder that he's going to have coming out. Uh, he is currently doing I think he's directing episodes of the TV show version of what we do in the shadows and, um, and episodes of the Mandalorian, or at least he did the first season of Mandalorian. I don't th- I don't know if he's into anything for the second season. There's supposed to be a untitled or there is supposed to be a star Wars movie for him coming up here in the future. You as a former, huge <laughs> star wars fan how do you feel about that you know if you take thor ragnarok into account since that's the yeah, one i mean. yeah i yeah, i don't know
1: i mean it's so bad because it's just like everything with like i i, I don't know i i don't want to say i i hate these things because i don't hate the mcu I you hate these things yeah yeah i i don't hate star wars per se i i, I kind of do hate what they've Done and hate is a strong word. I've been displeased with a lot of cho- the choices that they've, you know, kind of made with with Star Wars. And uh, I feel like it's not movies that were made for you anymore. Well, I, yeah, I mean that's probably fair. On the one hand, I, it definitely seems like the you know trilogy that they have kind of done currently is is more. A remake than a moving forward, and you know that's fine. They need to, you know, regeneration. Uh, G, oh, cannot talk, regenerationalize. uh you know the IP to get new people and and you know younger people and things like that involved. Um, and that's okay. You know, it's totally fine. It it doesn't have to be for me. Um. I I had really hoped that The Mandalorian would have been, but it also was not. And again, that's okay. I I mean, my tastes and things have obviously changed. Um, But to make a, you know, a long story longer, uh, um, uh, you know, I I like uh, Taika Waititi's films. Uh, It's also weird to just try to say one of his names. Like... You know, like do you know? I'm a fan of Watiti, I guess. I don't know. It's so strange to say both, but I, I, his stuff that I've seen, um, and and the concepts that you know he's put into film, uh, even that I haven't seen, I've I've always been very intrigued by those things. And I feel like his really like strong suit comes from kind of like what you were hinting at that he seems to have this very like organic or innate ability to kind of blend you know these really dark situations of drama with you know kind of these light-hearted comedic moments right especially when you think about the conceptualization of what jojo rabbit is right because right. at first you're you're watching that and you're like oh okay this is being marketed as a comedy but then a lot of people watch it and they're like yeah that, that movie is not a comedy but it does have a very strong comedic element to it um and and i I would think that would be two things that I would hope uh, for a Star wars film from him is that one i I hope that we're truly moving away from all of this stuff that's been done and getting some original ideas and original concepts because I think that's what we need more than anything um I, I'm so sick of them just you know repainting the surface of this house and moving forward with it. I you know I want to see another house you know I want to see something different um but when I think about inevitably what Star Wars is I think it plays very well into what I said his abilities are you know it, it does need to have some very strong drama and be a little bit dark but it does also need to have these light-hearted moments because when you think about the original trilogy um I feel like that's what is there, you know, there's there's definitely some moments of humor, but there's also you know, a, a dramatic story that's being told, right? So I, I do think he's a very good choice for that. And again, if they could as a studio give him the ability to, you know, make the movie that he sees needs to be
0: made as a creative, then I I I think he could do a very good job. I really do. I think so too. And so just going off the the few movies of that you know of the two directors, is there one that you prefer more than the other?
1: Well, I, it's funny because I think you asked me a similar thing when I started this, and I was kind of saying I don't think I've really seen enough of their their <laughs> works to to you know answer that. And I, I think from a, a standpoint of of being fair, I, I feel like that's still the case. Like I really don't think I've seen enough of their stuff. I think the other side of the equation for me as well is that you know. Uh, Taika Waititi hasn't, I guess he's been in the industry for maybe about as long because he did start in the early 2000s where I think James Gunn started in like maybe 95, 94. Um, so, I mean, they have been in the industry relatively same amount of time, but uh, even with that being the case, like Taika Waititi, like has—I I don't feel like he has as much uh, from like a feature content standpoint under his belt as as James Gunn does. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like maybe as things progress and move forward, and the more and more that I, you know, watch their works, I I might be inclined to say that I would lean a little bit more towards the uh Watiti camp um you know not, and that's not to discredit or take anything away from james gunn it's just i i don't know that i value like the shock humor as much and i and i do think to also be fair i do think james gunn has come away from that as well i mean i think he's grown and changed as a person and and things as well uh but i just think that watiti currently is is coming up with concepts and doing other films that uh, i find are interesting and and approachable to me as a a viewer if that makes any sort of sense no i think that makes sense cuz i would
0: i would say that i would fall that taika makes the better movies but i enjoy m- James Gunn's movies more, if that makes sense.
1: No, it, it totally does. And I mean, and and, and I, I tell people this all the time, you know, like, if you stop and think about what your favorite movies are, it's it's very rare if ever someone says, well, I, this is my favorite movie of all times and then you say, well, why? And they go, well, because on a, you know, technical filmmaking process, it's perfection or it's, you know, at an elevated status. Like, that's usually not the case. Most people pick a movie that's their favorite because they have some sort of connective tissue to it. Something resonates with them. It doesn't have to be this, you know, technical marvel of filmmaking in order for it to be your favorite, right?
0: Right. And that's exactly I mean, I, I think that's where where I fall in. So uh there you go. That's that's Taika Watiti versus James Gunn for our Patreon. Uh if you join our Patreon and and be a part of the tier that allows you to uh dictate what subjects we talk about in in certain podcasts, you can uh you can do that. So, uh we could be mentioning you. It definitely um, it definitely keep me on my toes. You'll keep Richard on his toes. So, there you go. Richard, last week there was a big online event called DC Fandom since we're talking about comic book movies anyways. Yeah. Did you get to watch the Batman trailer? Oh, did I? Did you I, I've seen a I don't know, maybe
1: like 10 second segment of the trailer, like 55,000 times
0: now. <laughs> Only 10 seconds? What? Are uh, you going to have to explain that to me?
1: I'm sure that I will, but we'd we come back to it. I've seen the whole trailer a few okay. times, but there's like, a, it's, I don't know exactly how many seconds it is, but I've seen <laughs> this part of the trailer
0: a bunch of times, but. <laughs> Um, that I mean, that's all I was going to really talk. About. We could we can talk about the Zack Snyder cut trailer, which I will I've said on other podcasts already is that this is a Zack Snyder cut of Justice League. It is not the jackson Zack Snyder cut of Justice League that he has been boasting about since the other version came out uh, in two thousand seventeen. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is going to also get the added bonus of being able to uh put in or take out anything that he, fans have been uh clamoring about since the other movie came out like i understand that that the joss whedon version of the movie is is a lot different than the version of the movie that he wanted to put out but he kept telling people that everybody that there he had the his cut done it was able to be watched but obviously if they're going to pay 40 million dollars for this version to come out on hbo max next year it means he's making changes he's doing stuff to it
1: yeah um uh we can circle back to the the batman trailer i didn't mean to take you away from it completely but um yeah no i think it's interesting um i don't think we would have gotten this to happen without the whole pandemic thing um you know, and like everyone's kind of need for, for films to be made and stuff. And what easier way to get another film and some more money than to go back and make some changes and re-release it, right? Right. Uh, but I, I think it's also interesting, or and not interesting, that's totally the wrong word. I think it's worth noting that, uh, at least from my understanding, while Zack Snyder was working on this, his daughter actually um, committed suicide. Mm-hmm. And I just I can't imagine what kind of impact that had on him as a as a father and as a human being. And I think that's really important to note that that was you know going on, and that's what inevitably led to him actually um, leaving the project. And
0: and you know, um, well, there's other things that went into the factor of him leaving because as the as the timeline goes the unfortunate thing happened to his family, but he was still working and it's DC Warner brothers that came in and said, Hey, we don't like the way that this movie's looking. People online keep talking about how you're making movies too dark. And I'm guessing this is all speculation because I wasn't in the room, but it's heavily speculated that they took him off at that point, left him on as the executive producer and uh, brought in Joss Whedon to shoot, reshoot stuff. And, and uh recut the movie
1: yeah and and, you know like you said uh, that could all be very true um i I guess i would be a little bit surprised if that was exactly the case though because i mean when you think of Zack snyder as a director like he makes dark movies like all of his movies like dawn Mm -hmm. of the dead the Watchmen, uh sucker punch so i i don't know I, i i and especially like warner brothers dc saying that because again all of their movies have really been dark like all of them even when they
0: let him do man of steel it's it's relatively dark so uh yeah, but put man of steel, steel makes a profit it's a small one but it's a profit batman v superman does not make a profit when it comes out and they've are they're already into making justice league at that point and i can under i could see warner brothers coming in and being like we need to change course right now
1: Oh, yeah, I I could see that being more of an issue than them being like, and and maybe that's the justification they gave him. Sure. Um, You know, there's so many different things. Right. And we'll never know for sure. But I do think that is worth noting, because inevitably, I think that is going to have an impact, you know, Uh, and I think that's kind of the, the thing here. Right. Is that traditionally people love uh underdogs traditionally they love you know stories of redemption and so you know this is a chance for Zach Snyder to hopefully get all of those things right hopefully he can uh come and do something i i don't know i feel like at this point it's it's maybe a bridge too far though because uh, you know that movie's out there people already have expectations they're they're you know they're going to have preconceived notions and all these other things and i don't know if it's it's really a good thing to let him go back and do it i mean i guess giving him 40 million to see if he can fix something is a better approach than giving him you know another 200 to 500 million to see if he can do something else Yeah. um but i just i I feel like you know for him it might have been a better choice to walk away from it and do something else um because I, I I don't know. I mean, DC just really hasn't, in my opinion, uh, really had much of a win when it comes to their connected universe films or or a lot of their comic book movies in general, right? So uh, I, I don't know. I, I think it's a very, very steep mountain for him to climb at this point. But I'm still, I, I guess I'm still kind of, not kind of, but I'm still rooting for him, you know? I, I I want to see something come out of this that fans can be you know happy with i just feel like maybe it's a you know a bridge too far at this point
0: that's fair so let, let's get back to the batman what was it what's the 10 seconds or the little part that you've had to watch over and over and why well, that, that's what i say let's, let's just let's talk about the trailer first and then we'll we'll come back okay. to that
1: so okay. so let's actually take the viewers back to uh when robert patson was announced i know you were less than thrilled right correct
0: so so tell me a little about that. Uh, honestly, and I will be the first to admit that I did not have enough of his filmography under my belt to properly assess um, whether or not he would be a good Batman. I had only seen the one Twilight movie. I had not seen the four Twilight movies. I had seen him as Cedric Duggery at that point from Harry Potter. I had not seen anything else of his work, and that was the biggest critique people who threw on me after I said I did not see him as Bruce Wayne. Um, he, they said, you need to watch his other movies. So after that point, I went and watched his other movies. I watched uh, City of Z. I watched Good, Good, Bad, Bad, Bad Friday. I don't. I forget what the name of the movie was. The one where he's the junkie and he's it's running i forget what it's called either way good time good time thank you yes good time okay um uh and there was a couple other ones they're all part of my uh 365 did Uh, you watch uh did you watch the rover i did not watch the rover but oh no i did watch the rover and i watched i watched high life also did you watch cosmopolis i did not watch cosmopolis okay so what?
1: What do you? What do? You, has your opinion changed at
0: all? Like I've after? Not. No, did you watch the lighthouse? I did not watch the lighthouse. Okay, uh, I, I probably should have, but I don't. I really don't think that one was gonna make me appreciate him as Batman, Bruce Wayne anymore.
1: I I don't. Yeah, I don't think that one would would make you appreciate that. I think it would maybe. Uh, change yep. your ideas of his acting but for me when i think of bruce wayne i really think of his his cosmopolis yes yeah. uh because he does play like a 28-year-old billionaire in that movie um it's very different in in some capacities or in a lot of capacities than what you would expect for you know Bruce Wayne but that's where i was like okay i could see it and then you know i'm i'm a fan of again i've really only seen one of the twilight movies and i i don't ever care to watch any of the other ones <laughs> and i don't blame you or anyone else for not wanting to either but okay so you're still on the, the fence do you see the trailer come out take me through that any changes well, for, now
0: first before we get to that um I would say before a, he, he a certain interview that he did I would say that I didn't see him as i didn't see i hadn't seen any evidence that was gonna make him a good Batman Bruce Wayne but okay. I would for him to be the, in the movie if that makes any sense like I'm fine sure. like go ahead let's see what what he can do with the role obviously he's a he's a good actor we we've got we've got all these other things i didn't particularly like the movies that he had chosen to do but let's see what happens then he did the interview where he said like he wasn't going to get into shape to play batman and i don't understand that one like i get it he doesn't want to you know, conform to the same things that other people playing superheroes are doing he's gonna he's gonna play this one different, but like that's one of the things about Batman for me is that he captain America you know they need to be in really good shape to do the things that they want to do. Every other person that's played Batman has' has went ahead and did that, and you can't just sit there and tell me, well, it's the suit that does all the stuff because you got to be able to move around in that suit and pull off those moves, but fine. Get to this trailer. You really don't get to see all too much of what, uh, Robert Pattinson doing with the character. You see a couple fight scenes. You see the really big, like static shot of him beating that dude. And the sound quality is just amazing. And it sounds sickening the thuds, uh, It is a bad line that he has that I am vengeance, in my opinion. And then I also hate the suit. I will straight up just tell you I hate the suit. Interesting. Okay. So,
1: so here's, here's, and I guess my, my question to you on this would be, okay, so he says he's not really going to get into shape. Now, after you see the trailer and we've discovered from what Matt Reeves has said that this is the second year of Batman being Batman. Mm -hmm. Do you still think it's fair that he would be completely yoked out in year two of his career versus, say, year five or six, where maybe, you know, he's still a little naive. He's gone into year one and year two kind of flying by the seat of his pants, kind of trying to figure everything out maybe gets his ass beat and then it's like, okay, I got to really start like double tripling down on all this. Do you think that that could fit into
0: the narrative? That could definitely fit into the narrative. I can, I can get behind that. Does that make it better for you? Mm, No, because I feel like the Bruce Wayne that I've always seen, watched, read, uh, is prepared beforehand going into before becoming batman if that makes sense year one is about him uh returning to gotham and not and then figuring out to be batman but before year zero is him traveling the world getting into great shape learning all of the skills that he needs you know that kind of stuff but i get what you're saying and i i can get behind that narrative
1: okay hey, no I think your assessment is also fair. I, I've said it before a million times. This is why Batman is one of the hardest characters to get people behind is because the Batman that you know and love is the Batman that you're first kind of introduced to. And so, you know, a lot of people still are like, oh, Adam West is the best, Bat- uh, best Batman. And like Adam West isn't ripped or yoked or really in great shape either. <laughs> um, and I mean yeah, uh, <laughs> exactly. But, you know, I, I I feel like that's a really interesting uh, approach and I feel like maybe that's why they didn't have as much pressure put on him mm-hmm. uh, to get into shape and to do those things. I think the other thing that's particularly kind of what I was hoping for, and we'll see if it plays out this way, is that Matt Reeves also said that this is like a more detective-driven, noir-type Batman movie, which if that is true... And that proves to work in a way that's conducive to good storytelling. But I'm very excited for this because I've been saying it for a long time that we need to see less of, you know, action Batman, which don't get me wrong. I love the action because I also tout that the other Batman, there's like two sides to me. I love the detective Batman (laughs) and then I love Bat Punisher. Right. (laughs) So like, which I know he's not theoretically supposed to be that, but I, I yeah. Anyway, um. So if we could find this happy medium between those two things, uh, then I'm very excited uh, by that. And um, I, I, I I, kind of have to agree slightly with you on the suit. The first picture I saw of it, I was like, ooh, uh, the cowl looks so flippin' weird. But I guess that was actually a shot of a stunt double on a motorcycle or something, right. so... It probably had a helmet and things built into it to protect the stunt double. So I was like, okay. And then when the trailer came out, I was like, oh, this looks like one of the bat suits that you kind of would get from like the the Arkham games. Like I could, you know, it kind of looks almost like riot gear that's been retrofitted and then that's kind of the same vibe we get out of the the Batmobile, which again at first i was like i don't know but then when i saw it in the trailer and it's like this really souped up muscle car with basically a jet engine attached to it i was <laughs> like okay like i it's different but i'm very curious to see you know where it goes and I I think the biggest thing for me as well, I keep saying the biggest, but another thing, rather, I guess I should say, is um, this one just feels like it's grounded so much more in reality than than any of the other Batmans, and that was really Nolan's approach too. Is like Nolan was like, I want to see what would happen if a billionaire went out and fought crime, and he tried to make things uh heavily, you know, or heavier grounded in reality. But I feel like this one's pushing that even farther into just like a a, a realism that we wouldn't get and. I guess that's a good and a bad thing because, you know, for a lot of people uh, I, and I'm making a, an assessment here for you and you can correct me in a second. But I feel like, you know, people that are in love with the comics maybe aren't going to love this like approach to grounding it in reality. They would maybe rather have it be a little bit more, you know, like the comic approach to it, perhaps. Right. So I think there is a thin line there as well.
0: Is that a, is that fair or no? I think there's definitely a line there that you have to to walk. I honestly, as a comic book reader, I don't have a problem with the grounded in reality. You want to give me a two face that you know uh, has his face burned by fire like we had in the Dark Knight. Uh, I'm okay with that. Like it still plays out. The theme still plays out of duality and stuff like that. Um, this this mo- this trailer shows us a Riddler that kind of has like all that tape around his face, or so to speak. Mm-hmm not getting the green bowler hat and the green outfit with the question marks. I would love to have seen a more traditional looking Riddler face or Riddler costume, but getting this, uh, serial killer that leaves clues is a Riddler. I'm in for it because I too have wanted a detective Batman movie for the longest time. Cause we don't get that. We always get the beat them up, use the tech stuff. Um, it, and you can go all the way back to 1989 Batman. You don't get the detective Batman in any of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm excited for it. I've always said that the best Batman movie that they could make is one that's based off of uh, the Jack Reacher movie with Tom Cruise. Because that in that movie, he is a detective, he solves the crime, and he kicks people's asses all the way through. So if you did the movie just like that, I would be super into it. But uh, yeah, I I I I am excited. I uh, Riddler's my favorite rogue of uh, Batman, so I'm excited that's a big part of this movie. Um, Colin Farrell as the Penguin is almost unrecognizable, so that's interesting. I would say completely unrecognizable. I had to go
1: back. At, this isn't the part that I watched over and over, but I did. Well, I did watch this part over and over too, but not nearly as many as the other part. But like, yeah, I, I went back because I was like, wait, isn't Colin fair? And then I was like, oh my yeah. god, I'm like that's Colin fair. And then even the part where he's driving the
0: car, and he's like, this guy's crazy. I was like, holy shit, that doesn't even sound like him. He's, yeah, like a, almost completely unrecognizable, yeah. so, or completely unrecognizable, as yeah. you said wild and then uh you know you got um jeffrey wright as gordon and i love the fact that you know batman is walking through the crime scene and gordon's talking to him and the cops are still around like they are all working with him still like at this point in his career uh so that's interesting um i'm in for the movie don't get me wrong i'm at least gonna go see it because i i was gonna go see it either way but i'm not upset with the trailer and nice if you believe what matt reeve says they've only filmed 25 percent of the movie and that's all that all we saw was from 25 percent, which is cool that uh, that seems crazy if they're i mean maybe not i mean if they're
1: in maybe doing more practical effects and stuff yeah because it's coming out like next year right that's what they're Be, trying to do yeah. halloween
0: next year right yeah something like that they, yeah back because they had to stop filming.
1: Well, yeah, of course. Yeah. So, I- anyway, to answer your question, and I'm sure everyone wants to know now, but like I, I, I was, I was pretty in on this movie. Like you said before, I saw the trailer. I got a little rocky when I saw some of the pictures, but then I kind of like looked at him again and was like, okay, well, stunt double this stuff. I get it. All right. And then the trailer drops, and I will totally agree with you that that line, "I'm vengeance," is is terrible. I I, I agree, but. The moment that happens on every side of that, I was like, it starts at a minute 40 in the trailer when that guy's like, who are you supposed to be? And he, the way that he just beats that guy's face in <laughs> is so unbelievably satisfying and rewarding. And then, and then it gets better because the the guy goes down, he hits him like three more times and we get this shot of the other gang members, and there's this one extra who's in the background that just has this look of, I completely just crap my pants, (laughs) and the rain is coming off of him, so it even looks like he's crying, and I'm like, that dude should win the Academy Award for Best Actor, or or Best, not Best Actor, but Best Extra in any background cast ever because it sells every element of that, like, Leveraging physical violence to overpower a mob through psychological warfare, and again, I feel like that is such a nuanced. Like, like I know that's like Batman's approach. That's always his approach, but I feel like in this movie, it's done so nuanced in a way that we've never seen happen in a Batman movie before. Like, we've seen him beat the crap out of people, but you almost never get to see that moment where someone's like about to crap their pants like they just turn around and like oh we just watched him basically kill this guy (laughs) fuck it let's all go after him and it's like this is the first time where you see a group of people that are horrified and then i'm like okay i didn't think he beat that guy's face in that bad but if they're like if they're looking at him in that way, like he must have just smashed this dude's head like a pumpkin 30 days after Halloween. You know what I mean? Like it's gotta
0: just be un unreal. It's it's pretty bad. Like that's that that more, you know, most of the time you would see this, it, you you would see cuts and you would see different angles and you know, they were coming at you in different ways, but ooh, it just holds on that one shot as he's beating that dude down and it is it is sickening it is <laughs> yeah see i i don't know how else to describe it it's so morbidly sad it, it
1: maybe it shouldn't be but it's fake so you know mm-hmm. that's fine i'm not actually hurting that guy yeah hopefully. well yeah i mean i guess we'll see if there's stories about stump doubles dying on set but uh exactly. but yeah I, I i no, so I, I i that's really where i was like okay like i'm I'm back to like this childhood type of vibe to me and I, and I'm in for that. Like, let's go, you know?
0: Okay, Richard, not to step away from superheroes, but we this week watched project power, a Netflix original starring Jamie Fox, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and a young actress that I can't remember her name (laughs) at the moment and uh R- rodrigo satoro uh also is in the movie. dominique fishback plays robin um i guess right off the back what did you think of this movie well i i mean
1: you say stepping away from comic book heroes but i think in reality it's it's uh quite well, a no, bit no, closer no. to that <laughs> than
0: you would think right. right superhero movie superheroes what's that i said
1: not to step away oh no my bad i misheard you apologize yeah that makes sense because yeah um okay so full disclosure uh (laughs) i i was not uh in the greatest of moods when i watched this movie Uh, i I was extremely tired it's been a it's been a very very long week um so I, I don't know if I if I I, I really do actually want to go back and watch it again, because I don't know if I gave it as as fair of a chance or or fair of a shake as I as I should have. Um, that being said, I I don't I don't dislike this movie. Uh, it, it feels almost paradoxical to me in the sense that. On the one hand, it feels very generic and and it feels like so many other movies that we've seen, but then at the same time, it doesn't feel like that at all. Like, and that's (laughs) it's very weird to describe, but uh, I I don't know. I there's like this concept that they took, and then the way that I guess they executed it is what made it feel a little bit different and a little bit unique. But I guess like, wh- I don't know. What about you? What was
0: your kind of like broad uh, overview of, of this? So my broad overview is that I absolutely loved the idea of this movie. The execution, okay. not so much. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I loved the fact, I love the, 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 idea of the story you know there's a pill it's it's being uh, used in the inner city that will give the user five minutes worth of a superpower whatever superpower is inside of you already uh, I love the idea of uh, this young woman that is trying to find her own voice in this world and helping out her mother and suffering from all different types of things is selling this drug uh, Jamie Foxx's character is a Ex military that had the drug tested on him and he's looking for his kidnapped daughter. And then just Gord Levitt is a cop, a detective that is taking the drug because it's the only way that he can have an advantage on the bad guys who are also taking this drug or committing crimes in his city, which is New Orleans. And once again, New Orleans, as most people will say, the city itself is like a character in the movie. Like, sure, whatever. Uh, I get that the setting is very important because it, it it's playing up real life um, hardships that people uh, r- would have and stuff like that. But all that being said, I just felt like you went with three leads. Like the, the story is split in three ways and we don't get enough of e- any one. Um, the idea that like certain scenes they, they shot, um, the tank scene when there's a big fight in that club and the young woman that took the one took the pill and is now has ice freezing powers or freezing powers. So to speak, she's inside that tank Mm -hmm. They shoot the whole action scene from inside there. Like I get it. It's unique, but now we don't get to see any of the action. Like it's, it's all seen, not even her POV because you keep seeing her in the shot. So, Mm -hmm. When she dies, I don't understand why we're still stuck in the tank. Like it should I should get to see the outside now. Um Jamie Foxx is I don't know, his character is just not fleshed out enough for me not to see Jamie Foxx, if that makes sense.
1: Oh no, I I think that absolutely makes sense and I think that goes back to the, you know, statement that you made earlier that you know kind of going with three leads and following these three different stories and trying to intertwine all of them um in a relatively short am- amount of time. I think the movie's only like an what hour and 41 minutes or something like that it, it's, hour it's and
0: 53 minutes yeah it's, 53 it's minutes? Really short. i mean it's it's less than two hours so yeah,
1: yeah so and, and i mean especially like which you know for an action movie maybe that's not necessarily considered sure. short because most of those are 90 minutes however most action movies you know also don't try to you know follow three you know different twisting protagonists through you know the the, the problem right right And and I agree with you. I I feel like that is one of those things where I don't know. I guess like I I bought into Joseph Gordon Levitt's character, but I think that's also just because like I know so much more of his work and like I like remember kind of like growing up with him in a way. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, and so like I feel like I can just kind of instantly like he has just this instant connectability to him, whereas like you know, the other two. And then I, I don't know. It was also weird too, because like Jamie Fox's character, they're also for the first good portion of the movie, they're setting him up as a villain. um, And so you're kind of already buying into this thing that like, this is going to be the ultimate showdown between, you know, Joseph and Jamie. And then that ends up not being the case at all. And so it, it felt like they were setting something up, but then just completely 180. And we're like, ah, hey, we don't want to do that anymore. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but instead of rewriting the script, let's just, you know, let's just play it out this way and see where
0: it goes. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I think it was, I know. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I would definitely say like on, on paper, Jamie Foxx's character has the more interesting story. So he should, his character should be the lead, but in the movie, I was more interested in watching Joseph Gordon Levitt's character, like his story. And It makes me think that because what Jamie Foxx before this, I can't really think of what he had done between this and Baby Driver, but like in Baby Driver, he's kind of a bad guy. At this Mm -hmm. point, if he was supposed to stay the bad guy in Project Power, I wonder if like he kind of had in his contract that, you know, both of them get to be the good guy, so to speak. You know what I mean?
1: Well, I I do, yeah. I mean, yeah, I I agree with you. I'm trying to think. I know that he did uh, Robin Hood after, or he was in it. Um, Was that
0: after Baby Driver?
1: I'm pretty sure it was, because I think Baby Driver was 2016, 2017, and then I think Robin Hood was 2018, I think. I think. I I could be wrong, Um, but... Yeah, like I, I agree with you. I just I, and and I I actually was also like the dynamic and the chemistry that was initially set up between um Joseph Gordon Levitt's character and then um oh my gosh, you just said her name, the Robin is her
0: character name, right? Dominique Fishback, yeah,
1: yeah. I, I, I actually really kind of preferred the chemistry and the dynamic between the two of them, uh, more than her and Jamie Foxx and and they you know they still kind of tried to keep that chemistry and play to it throughout the film more so than her connection to Jamie Foxx's character but yeah it it just feels like there's a, too much going on in a way that that uh, didn't have enough time to really unfold in a in a rewarding way and now if this would have been like a limited series then yeah, you probably could have done this because you could have hopped around and and had so much more time. Because you're right, like we don't really find out that his daughter has been kidnapped or why she's been kidnapped until we're pretty far into the movie. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, like you get the you, like the idea that uh, because they tested it on him and it manipulated his DNA, he then passed it on to his daughter in conception, who now has a power that lasts her whole life. It doesn't go away, unlike uh anybody who takes a pill. And that was another thing. Like this movie does the whole uh Chekhov's gun like thing repeatedly. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. in the first what, five minutes of the movie, they mention, you know, uh Joseph Gord Levitt's character mentions, hey, yeah, getting high on this stuff, you know, sounds great because everybody talks about all the great powers you can get, but no one talks about the fact that you could just blow up you you take a pill and blow up kind of thing and then uh Robin or Dominic Fishback's character also says that at one point point. and then finally in the club a dude takes a pill and just blows up like it took like that they had to keep referring to it and it's like well it's gonna happen eventually and then they do the same thing with Jamie Foxx's character of art like he's like uh you don't want me to take those pills I take the pill and something happens and it's very bad and then when he's handcuffed he's like See, I have a thing where I'm like the some type of shrimp that pistol, you know, pistol shrimp shrimp, yeah. It releases uh energy all around it and only itself is not hurt, and then he does it at the very end. It uh, burns like,
1: 8,000 degrees above the temperature of the sun.
0: It, <laughs> that whole scene just did not play out well in my mind. Like, if that's true. How does he not hurt her? How does he not hurt Robin in that? Like I I I get that they show that little bit where he tries to redirect it, but like that doesn't make any sense to the way that he describes the power. And then I don't know, I had an issue with that part of the movie. Um and then he dies. Like his his daughter has to come over and heal him. But I thought the whole point was that you were going to be uh unharmed by it kind of thing. <laughs> Well, yeah,
1: I mean, uh, I I, again, uh, there's little things like, you know what this feels like to me? And maybe I'm wrong. It it feels like this is maybe written and
0: directed by newer filmmakers, perhaps, because not not per se newer, because the the directors of this movie are Henry Joost and Ariel Shulman. They directed the Catfish movie from 2010
1: oh they've done yeah they've done a few things like they also did uh like viral and
0: nerve and yeah nerve that was a big yeah. one recently that they did not i, I kind of enjoyed that movie there's been a lot of movies that with that same subject of like social media directing people to kill kind of thing um so that was okay and it looks like they're both announced to be making a mega man movie which all right sure let's see how that goes well, you know, I mean, Sonic
1: did pretty well, I guess, so yep. why not take all the yeah, you know, why not take all the Sega Genesis games <laughs> and make them into movies? Why not? Um and then the the
0: writer is uh Mattson Tomlin. Now, I don't know any of his work. Um yeah, other than this. I I've not I've not seen, but he's also the writer of Meg- Mega Man. So, okay. There you go.
1: Yeah, I mean, and and I don't know, like having a, a you know, directing team, um, you know, maybe that's where some of the confusion happens. You know, maybe that's why it feels a little disjointed, perhaps. Um, or maybe, you know, maybe some other ancillary thing had a, a role in that. Like maybe the, you know, studio or whoever was financing the film or something. I don't know. But yeah, it, it, it feels a little incoherent uh, at, at times. But I, I think for me, though, I think some of the choices they made that were particularly interesting were the, the powers themselves and how they showcased them, right? Because mm-hmm. when uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt takes the pill for the first time, and it kind of cuts to like his eyes, like with these weird, like almost hexagonal patterns going through his eye and stuff, I was like, "What the hell power does he? What what did he just get?" And then. He goes into the bank that they're they're robbing and I'm like, okay, so maybe since we're focused on his eyes, maybe he can see through walls, which would be a very effective power for a police officer to have, right? Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, maybe that's what it is. And then, you know, he goes in and there's kind of like this invisible man. But again, the way they chose to show that invisible man by, by using a uh, painting and like kind of painting his body to match the background... Like, I really liked that choice. Like, I thought that was executed very well. And it it was like a refreshing way of showcasing like that ability, right? And and then, you know, he ends up chasing this invisible man and the action is fun and enjoyable, but then he catches up to him and then blammo, he gets shot in the freaking face uh, or rather the temple of his head. And that way that that plays out reminded me, and maybe it's not, but it reminded me of like the visual effects team that did the slow-mo for Dread. Like it has mm-hmm. a very similar vibe to that, but when it hits the side of his head, like it just the overall execution of the effects and the, and the way that they chose to do them. And then of course we find out late and like the way that his skin then kind of like dimples in where the bullet hits, but then ripples out in those same like little patterns. I was like, oh, that's really intriguing. But then they started later talking when they're they're like the drug dealer dude is uh, trying to sell the cartel or whoever that was from South America on buying power. Uh, He's kind of illustrating that a lot of the abilities come from animals. Uh, And he's talking about like lizards and all that stuff. And then there's a shot of an armadillo in there. And you actually see those same little patterns that was on Mm -hmm. Joseph Gordon-Levitt's. And and then I just thought, well, are are armadillos (laughs)
0: bulletproof? Because... That's the same thought that I had. I was like, are they? I have no clue if they are or not. Yeah, I don't either. But I was like, that's rib-. So like I, from
1: that standpoint, though, and, and like, oh, my gosh, the like scene where he goes to Newt and that guy catches on fire and he's basically like chasing after him like while he's on fire, like that actually looked really good. I was like, yeah. that's very cool.
0: And that's I know Machine you were. I don't know. If you know? That? That's Machine Gun Kelly, the rapper. Oh yeah no, I don't know who that yeah. is but that's I don't, I don't really know who that is either but I just know that's a thing and I just know that he was in green room which oh, I Oh
1: really okay know, so very Sorry. cool. No no you're good yeah. Um yeah so like I, I I know you didn't really care for that moment but like the moment where we're seeing some of that uh, fight or gun battle from inside the tank like I, I I was I did feel like it was a little refreshing to kind of see that. And again, it didn't necessarily need to be done that way because that girl dying is quite irrelevant, uh, honestly, because we don't know her. We don't care about her. We had a pretty good idea. That's where things were going anyhow. And I don't know, maybe she didn't die. Maybe she's going to fall out in four minutes and just be missing some fingers. But like, I, I don't know, there was something about those those moments that i i was like okay well i can appre- and, and even that last moment where you know jamie fox goes all pistol shrimp and like basically becomes a you know hydrogen bomb in the middle of well maybe hydrogen bombs are the right word but like basically you know blows up like all over the docks at the end like there were some stylistic choices that were made in those moments where i was like oh that's i like those moments those were r- refreshing and different and um that certainly doesn't make a good movie. You know what I mean? Like you need more than it to just look, you know, pretty and have witty dialogue, of course. But, uh, I, I think at the very least I could appreciate those moments, uh, in, in the movie overall.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, you're absolutely right. I think the portrayal of the powers is the best thing about this movie. Uh, when you see, um, Newt catch on fire before that, you see that part of his face has already been burned. So like, the idea is yes, five minutes you get powers. These powers aren't going to hurt you, so to speak. But after that five minutes, there's still the fact that you're on fire, and that's not mm-hmm. a good thing. Uh, freezing your body to the point where you whatever you touch freezes within, within that five minutes is great. But what happens, you know, to the rest of your body after that five minutes, or if that's what's happening to her? Like I don't exactly understand what's happening to her. Uh I also thought it was interesting that Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character, who is a cop, who takes the pill and gets gets the ability to be bulletproof, you know, like he's invulnerable, or uh, it's maybe a little bit of super strength because you see when he, after he takes the pill, and he punches the ground, it kind of cracks. Um, but like a cop, so to speak, is supposed to be a protector, for first and foremost, right? And mm-hmm. that's exactly what his character wants to do and the power that he gets is a power to help protect like i think that's interesting like do you think that at all that's the thing that made me think about that in in this movie that's the one thing that made me start contemplating is do you think at all people's personalities dictate on a subconscious level what powers they get
1: well i i I mean it It is definitely possible, right? I mean, certainly there are different types of people that, you know, obviously it it takes a certain kind of person to be motivated to go into uh, public service, right? Um, So, yeah, I I don't think it would be that far-fetched to think that, you know, who they are as a person might also be linked in some way to their you know their genetics like I I, and honestly I think that's a concept again that would have actually been kind of more interesting to explore than we got a guy whose daughter got kidnapped and he wants her back like and and that's where like I feel like things were stale and and like it was like movies that I like tons of movies that I had seen before which is fine. You know, it's fine because inevitably every story has kind of already been told. It's the twist that you can bring to it. I just think they set up so many other areas that they could have explored and and ventured to and, and toyed around with that would have been infinitely more interesting and, and exciting to watch than, you know, oh, I got to get my daughter back. You know, like we yeah, we get that. It's, it's happened before. But. You know what about all these other things? Like they're quite a bit more
0: exciting. Uh, I, yeah, and I, I think you're you're you hit it on the head too that this would be a good story serialized. It would be much better if you got to spin three episodes on Jamie Foxx's character, three episodes on Dominique's character, and three episodes on Joseph gordon Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character, and then maybe a couple episodes on the the people that created the pill, like. We got yeah. to know absolutely nothing about this either government uh, department or uh, in, independent contractor or whoever it is that made this pill and made it so that people can uh, have powers for five minutes. Why five minutes? What's the what's the science behind that? Like, I am truly interested in all that. And I we, we get nothing from it. So is there going to be a sequel? I mean, it's definitely set up for one. But Jamie Foxx's character straight up says, oh, we're i'm out this is it we're leaving it's like really do you think that you can just walk away from something like this like aren't they always going to be chasing you
1: well i i mean maybe I, i mean at that point i would imagine if you were joseph gordon levitt's character you'd be like look at the damage he completely disintegrated when he took the pill and i think they would have a hard time arguing that at that point unless there was some sort of you know, surveillance footage or something, but, but no, I I agree with you. And especially, I I really think a show would be better than additional movies at this point, especially with today's world. Like we, there's so much money that is being put into, uh, these longer form storytelling things like Netflix series and stuff. Like, so I, I agree with you. I think it would be way, way better to, you know, if they do try to go forward with this, like to to follow it as a, you know, like a series and, you know, even if it's six to eight episodes, I think that's going to be a lot better to really explore some of the things they set up with this. Because I agree, like even if we went like each episode and it was like a different person, a different pill, and if it's like there's such a huge disparity of how that pill you know, impacts you and why you might have powers or why you don't have powers. Why would everyone get five minutes? Like on a, on a physiological level, it would have to be impacting you different. So there's no way that the absorption rate for every single human being is going to be exactly (laughs) five minutes. You know what I mean? That your system would clear that out of you, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So definitely a lot of questions. Uh, I am not upset that I watched it. I wish that there was more or at least a more focused uh, version of this movie. Um, So how did you feel about the choice this week?
1: Oh, uh, you know, like I said, I I, I, I liked obviously the I I think everyone listening is going to be able to tell that I was way more excited about the previous two movies we watched. But. You know, I, I really do think the frame of mind that you're watching something in can impact and have a, a role in your experience. And, you know, to be fair and, and give it a, a proper, uh, you know, shakedown, if you will. Like, I enjoyed it. I, I really think that there's a lot of good, redeeming, silver lining qualities to it. Uh, but, uh, you know, I also don't think there was enough that I would say it's like, a truly great movie that you have to go watch. Like if you, you know, if you're at home, you got nothing to see, throw it on Netflix, not cost you anything. It's totally worth the watch,
0: but I wouldn't go out of your way, you know? No, no, I'm right there with you. Well, I guess with that sound, that's the end of our show. (laughs) Oh no. Um, Uh, if you'd like to voice your opinion to me about this movie or anything that we talked about today, you can find me on Twitter. I am at Michipedia G-E-M. G-E-M stands for Geekly Media. Richard, where can people find you online? Oh, you can find
1: me on Twitter as well. It's at Rykoen, R-I-C-O-W-N. And you can also find me on Twitch, uh, which is twitch.tv slash Cohen and the number one at the end of the name. Uh, so, yeah, you can find me there. What are you playing right now? Well, I'm still working my way through The Last of Us 2, but like work's gotten pretty hectic, so I, I've been missing some streams here and there. And on top of it, that game is just... It's a very lengthy game,
0: apparently. Or I'm playing it very slow. Maybe it's both. I don't know. I think I've heard that it's a lengthy game, but I, I, I could be completely off. I don't know anything about video games. So. <laughs> <laughs> If you'd like to talk to the rest of Geek Media, it's at Geek Media on Twitter, at Geek Media on Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Geek Media is our Facebook page. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our network on our website, Geek As I mentioned er- earlier, we have a Patreon page. Please go check it out. See some of the benefits that you can get from the different tiers. If you feel that you can, uh, please join. Uh, also, whatever podcatcher you use to listen to us, if you could please rate and review uh, the Geek Elite Media Network, so that the rest of or so it can help spread the word of our network to other people, it'd be greatly appreciated. But until next time, this is the Mitch and Rich Show on the Geek Elite Media Network. Saying, always remember to geek out. Geek out. This concludes our broadcast. Teeeeee